You're listening to Wellbeing Connection, the CMHA Manitoba and Winnipeg podcast. I'm your host, James Wellsman. CMHA Manitoba and Winnipeg acknowledges that we are on Treaty 1 territory, the original land of the Cree, Ojibwe, Dene, and Dakota peoples, as well as the homeland and birthplace of the Red River Métis. The water we drink comes from the Treaty 3 territory of Shoal Lake 40 First Nation. Our electricity comes from Treaty 5 territory. We acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past and dedicate ourselves to moving forward in partnership with Indigenous communities in a spirit of truth, reconciliation, and collaboration. None of the content in this podcast is intended to replace the advice given to you by your medical team. If you are in crisis, please phone the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line at 1-877-435-7170 or text CONNECT to 686868 for the Kids Help Phone. Hey everyone, welcome to Wellbeing Connection. I'm James Wellsman, your host, and I'm here with Olga Shmalova, CMHA board member and director of mental health and addictions at Ray, resource assistance for youth. She is a Ukrainian immigrant, mental health clinician, certified psychotherapist, instructor, and world explorer. She moved to Winnipeg from Ukraine after Crimea's annexation in 2014. She has worked with psychological trauma for over 10 years, helping her clients to find meanings of their experiences and find strength to move forward with their lives. She brings a multicultural perspective into her professional approach and strongly believes that we are all citizens of the world. So thank you so much, Olga, for coming here today. And when I think about what you've gone through, I think about how many people have gone through similar situations. So can you explain what people in Ukraine might have been going through the last three months, psychologically, physically? What might you imagine the experience is like? What have the conversations with refugees from Ukraine been like as well? It's certainly been a, a terrible experience for people on um, uh, February 24th, the first day of war. Uh, turned lives of people upside down. Uh, people uh, were panicking, people um, were frozen, not knowing what decision to make, whether it's safer to stay, whether it's safer to leave. Obviously, there was no right decision to make. Any decision that we would make would be uh, the right. Um, so people um, had to abandon their homes. People had a very limited time to pack um, to bring the most um, valuable things with them, to bring their family members, take care of the family members. Some family members didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay, especially elderly, elderly people. So many people had to make, I would say, were forced to make very difficult decisions that they shouldn't be making uh, in their regular lives. Some people had to leave their family members behind, knowing how vulnerable they were yet stubborn, not wanting to leave because it's their land and they wouldn't want to do that. Some people had to make those difficult decision decisions of uh, abandoning their homes and jobs just for the uh, sake of safety for their children, for their families and leave. Many people had to relocate within the country. Many people left their country. Many people have already returned. So the very first uh, days of war, I offered uh, my um, psychological services to anyone who was impacted um, by the war with no cost. And I have had 
few people reached out, reaching out to me. It was an interesting experience because it also affected me tremendously. I felt like I had a really significant concussion. I couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus at work. Uh, just the regular meetings uh, that I was attending before became um, a challenge for me, especially when I would be sitting in the middle of the meeting trying to focus on the agenda and seeing the message this on the screen of my phone asking for help uh, from a woman who just escaped shelling. So that uh, certainly um, put me um, in a very difficult um, situation as well as a practicing professional being challenged on what kind of psychological help can you provide to someone who just escaped shelling. This is not just a regular uh, first aid um, psychological uh, mental health support that you would give someone, you had to really put yourself in their shoes to understand what that experience meant and uh, of course be there for them. So the bigger, the biggest um, uh, needs for people who have been experiencing where I have uh, of course uh, been um, inability to feel safe even when they were finally able to relocate to safe positions. So having panic attacks, having nightmares, um, having some paranoia uh, or fixated uh, thoughts. Mm. And of course the fear, fear of losing uh, their family members. Our routines changed tremendously in the way that we had to constantly check on our friends and families every day. Um, so the grieving, many people tragically lost their family members. So the process of grieving is very different as well um, because um, it wasn't just a, a tragic loss in a car accident, but it was uh, a murder and um, brutal attacks um, by uh, Russian army that uh, bring lots of um, anger and devastation to people, uh, people's hearts. So those were the, the negative experiences, uh, but we've also seen lots of resiliency. And I think that's the most magical uh, thing that we are observing. Uh, the whole world is um, admiring how Ukrainians are uniting and um, dealing with such a tragedy. In the face of this tragedy, I think of all the horrible experiences people are going through and feeling almost powerless in the face of it, recognizing that there are things we control and things we can't control. We have to work that out for ourselves. What is our capacity for support? So it sounds like you've had to work that out and figure out how much you are able to give. And that's just really inspiring to see all the work you've done so far. Uh, actually, Olga, I was reading an article this morning about a chartered flight that was bringing 350 refugees from Ukraine to Winnipeg, and I happened to see your picture. So can you explain what's going on there and how did you get involved? Yes, absolutely. When the war started, uh, one of the phenomenon that we've um, observed is that um, constant and f profound feeling of guilt that people experience no matter where they're at, whether they're in Ukraine and fighting, volunteering, uh, trying to survive, um, those who already fled or those who have lived abroad for years. So this feeling of guilt has, uh, has been impacting people mm, and uh, this um, feeling that you're, I'm not doing enough. Um, and it's so consistent. Uh, within the nation, our army, um, those um, courageous men who are fighting for 
um, our country and our nation feel guilty uh, thinking that they could have been doing more. Volunteers who um, putting their lives at risk and trying to serve the communities and help the most vulnerable ones feeling guilty that they're not doing enough. Those who are trying to survive and taking care of their families and unable, are, not, are not able to actively contribute uh, in term actions, feel guilty that they're not doing enough. And those of us who watch that from the distance uh, also feel guilty that we're not there and that we're not doing enough. So I've been um, very much impacted by this feeling of guilt. And then it paralyzes you. Uh, this feeling of guilt actually paralyzes you to the point that you um, are not capable of doing anything and you just go down to your misery place and you can't really get out of it. And then what helped me to get out of it was the understanding that every emotion, every feeling that we have serves the purpose. And so if I was experiencing this guilt, it meant that I had to do something about it. And so I was trying to find um use um for myself and trying to be helpful and contributing um doing something at least and um i've been um trying to get as much um as involved as possible to ukrainian community here uh in winnipeg and we know that it's pretty big and uh, i've uh, i said uh, the first uh, days uh, of where i opened up my services and i offered them free of cost because i realized that not only those ukrainians who are um, in the country affected and need help but also those who are here and are worried uh, about their family members so I've just been trying to stay very involved and very active in my community because I truly care and we I feel that we're all interrelated right now just by blood and uh, each and one of us is impacted to what's going on everyone's safety and sanity is impacted so I wanted to, uh, to show my support um, that's why I volunteered uh, on uh, May 20th when um, the flight with 328 refugees arrived and it was a very significant experience very emotional for all of us volunteers who were there we didn't know what to expect we didn't know uh, what's uh, how people would be um, the very first thought that comes to your mind is of course that they will be stressed and overwhelmed Mm, and then once we started seeing the first one coming down the escalator and seeing their smiles, um, I think our hearts were filled with peace, thinking they're going to be fine. They're Ukrainians. Uh, they found the place of safety. We're here to support them. And each and one of them had the story to share. And it was also very impactful to hear some of those stories and uh, to be part um, of that community and feel united uh, with strangers, but feeling that they're your people. Um, so I, I thought that uh, it was just amazing to be uh, part um, of the volunteering group and uh, be being one of those who will meet uh, those refugees and uh, provide help and support on an ongoing basis, not just at the airport, but we are getting them connected to local services, uh, giving some ideas where to go, who to connect with, and how to settle better, giving them out our personal contact information because we care so much and we want to make sure that uh, they find um, their peace and safety here in Winnipeg. So I really appreciate being part of that um, 
initiative, uh, which was also very much appreciated by refugees who arrived here to Winnipeg. So what might it look like for the support network these refugees are connecting with? So where are they going to? What does the follow-up look like? And what supports in general are they connected to? So basically, can you just shed some light on how we are going to set these refugees up for success in their new home? Yeah, absolutely. Manitoba is actually the leading province in the amount of supports that these refugees have been receiving. There has been a welcome desk at the airport set up from... um, uh, April 15th, and I know so far around 1,000 Ukrainians arrived. And so this is the fir- very first stop that they make when they arrive. And there, there's a group of volunteers, including myself, I've been doing some shifts as well, where we give out um, information uh, packages to Ukrainians who arrived. And most of them arrive with uh, very basic uh, English, if any at all. So that makes it very challenging for them to receive any services. So we also observe how our Ukrainian community here in Winnipeg united and sacrificing their time, sacrificing their energy and putting their efforts in to make sure that those who arrive get all the support they need to feel settled. So that of course includes um, helping housing them at the hotel and they can stay there for indefinite time till they find something more permanent. Uh, they get uh, access to food at the hotel. They have uh, representatives from different organizations coming and helping them with paperwork. And they also have um, access to this volunteer group from the Ukrainian community, uh, Ukrainian uh, National um, Congress, um, and uh, Ukrainian National Federation that really stepped up and been trying to organize various events, family nights, um, sessions, informational sessions provided all in Ukrainian. And I know that many organizations around the city uh, also um, shown um, support and enthusiasm in trying to adapt their programs, their current programs, um, and translate them into uh, Ukrainian and possibly invite Ukrainian volunteers who would help to run them. Um, it's really nice to see how the whole community right now is trying to do their best to uh, make it inclusive and make it accessible for Ukrainians. So I think in in this uh, in the mental health services we see mm, various organizations, including uh, CMHA, who is trying to take the lead in uh, response to mental health struggles that those refugees uh, will. Uh, experience um, as they arrive and I'm happy to be part of uh, that and uh, seeing how we could develop it further. That leads me to my next question. So you've offered and are in the middle of presenting workshops as part of CMHA's wider portfolio of services and this teaches folks how Ukrainians are turning to unity and using that unity to provide strength through this intergenerational trauma. So what was the inspiration for this initiative and how are the workshops going so far? Yes, absolutely. I've been uh, blessed with this opportunity to uh, run these workshops and shed the light on struggles that Ukrainians are going through and how their mental health has been impacted. But I think what the most important thing for me is to be able to translate that experience and bring it uh, here and share it with everyone because every single one of us has a battle to fight 
And I think there are lessons that we can learn from Ukrainians um, as um, we all admire their um, courage and we all admire their unity. We all admire their resilience and the strong spirit. So there's certainly a lot um, for us to learn from them because we live in times of mental health epidemic. I think it's very important that we look into uh, tr various tragical experiences and um, resiliency that people have around that and apply them to our own lives. So that's basically what this series of my workshops are about. I'm looking into the cultural distinctions of um, resiliency around tragic experiences and Ukrainians have had uh, have um, gone through intergenerational trauma and have had experienced genocide for centuries and as we can see uh, nowadays um, Ukrainians are considered uh, to be as one of the strongest nations and one of the most resilient nations so there's certainly secret weapons that they have that we should all learn about because we also uh, as we admire someone typically we look at those traits that we want to possess and we don't feel like we have enough so i feel like that's exactly what's happening right now we're looking at ukrainians who are bravely fighting who are not um, giving up who know exactly what they're doing and who are resilient and we want to learn from them. Uh, so that's what my workshops are about, looking at what helps them to survive this tragedy and what can we all take away from that so we bring it to our own lives. Because I truly believe um, the, uh, that if every single one of us was a little bit braver, maybe not as brave as Ukrainians are. Hopefully, we all can be, um, but just a little bit braver uh, and showing more courage in every day life and in the decisions that we make, whether they're small ones or big ones, then the world would have been better and we would live in um, uh, the world where there would be more freedom and uh, more beautiful things because if people were uh, braver then I'm sure we would have had more uh, books we would have had more art we would have had more technology uh, and we would feel um, safer as well wow yeah that's so true so you've shed some light on what is going on in Ukraine in general so for those listening who might be feeling that guilt we discussed before like, am I doing enough? Am I doing all I can? Should I do more than that even? I know this is what listeners may be feeling because uh, I've wrestled with these feelings myself. So how can people get practically involved to make a material difference? So what are the steps, what's needed, and what can listeners do? Uh, absolutely. And uh, I am coming from Ukraine. That is uh, considered to be the third world country or developing country. And uh, we have a very different culture, just as many mm, third world countries do. And, come, and uh, I came here to um, North America that is being considered as a very individualistic um, in terms of culture and how people behave and decisions that they make and boundaries that they put. So that's something that um, I observe that people tend to uh, get really uh, overwhelmed by uh, all the news, all the floods of information coming. And uh, this feeling of guilt is natural because uh, this feeling of guilt is the response to the privilege 
that uh, people in North America have. And um, so it becomes natural um, in the way that this privilege is not being shared. So this feeling of guilt is about looking at all the privileges that you have and not necessarily saying no to them or giving up on them, but uh, sharing them with those who don't have them. So, and this is how we all can get in, involved uh, by just simply looking at what can we sacrifice in our lives? What are the things that Ukrainians are sacrificing right now? And what can we all do? Because uh, if we all unite, uh, we become more powerful. And um, anyone can help, whether you're just a member of a community, uh, a teacher, educator, businessman, a politician, um, leader of any organization, every single one of us can contribute. Uh, of course, donation is the big part because we're talking about real help and we know that um, financial support is substantial and critical at this time. And um, um, we also say that every dollar counts. So if you can't contribute much, even if it's just $5 that you would typically spend on um, Tim Hortons every morning, that would make a big difference for us. So you, it doesn't have to be a huge contribution. It can be as little as $5. And uh, there is tons of funds out there that you can choose to donate to. Uh, if you have some Ukrainians uh, that you know, you can even ask them which one they would prefer to. Mm, some of them might have their own funds. Some of them might be... Um, uh, helping locally uh, or helping a group uh, or sending medication to their own hometowns. So donation becomes, of course, the very first thing that you can uh, consider. Another very simple and doable and cheap thing that you can do is displaying the uh, displaying Ukrainian flag where, wherever you uh, want, whether it's um, on the front window of your house, whether it's in your car, whether it's a sticker on your phone, your laptop, um, anything that really makes um, uh, us Ukrainians feel supported, especially uh, those who arrived here, those who live here, and those who watch how the whole world supports them. Seeing Ukrainian flag everywhere uh, helps with keeping up uh, that spirit. Um, and uh, that, uh, even if you just cut it out from you know the colored paper and uh, uh, tape it to your window, it's a big thing. And just uh, seeing that uh, you show your support is important. Uh, I yeah, said in my workshop that you know when George Floyd uh, got murdered, we all became black. When we celebrate Pride, we all become queer, and so. I think it's critical that we all become Ukrainians now. That means that we should educate ourselves on Ukrainian culture, uh, try to explore places, restaurants, um, shops, stores that are available that are uh, in, the, in the city and go and check them out and try food, uh, try to uh, attend fundraisers and uh, try to attend rallies, um, support uh, events, um, because it's not just Ukrainians who should be attending them. We need the support from the whole world and uh, having uh, Canadians, and we know that you're very generous and very supportive, um, is critical uh, to us. So just bear witness and acknowledge that it's still happening. Don't be afraid to start a conversation with um, 
Ukrainian, if uh, you know someone, just bear witness and recognize that it's just not a one-time event. And uh, while the rest of the world is forgetting or getting tired of talking about it, we can't. So if you are able to keep up with it, as we have to, and show your support, and show your support every day, that means a lot to us, just the fact that you are willing to talk about it and explore all the complex feelings around that, yours and someone else's. I think of my own experience, how tough it was for me in February to realize what people are going through. But then I realize also that I have the privilege to go to sleep at night and not have to worry about, you know, explosions overhead. So I'd say, yeah, we just have to be mindful of it. And I know something I'll do is talk to my friends of Ukrainian descent to check on them and let them know I'll be there. Um, also with these conversations, just making sure we're aware of the trauma that might be there and not to push the conversation if it is not the right time. We have to remember these topics are very sensitive. So it's about letting people know that they are safe to share when they want to share, but just not poking and prodding. There's people coming into Winnipeg who are just experiencing some of the biggest horrors that you can imagine. And you just be mindful of it. And I think that Ukrainian flag idea is uh, fantastic. You know, driving to work today, I saw one and I was thinking about how we were going to be speaking and how, um, how impactful that can be. And everything I think came full circle as you said that and I realized like imagine the refugee seeing the Ukrainian flag on the window or on the car I can't even imagine if I was a refugee in another country and I'm welcome like that that's that's uh, incredible exactly another level of war that is going on is the informational war so social media become another uh, powerful platform to show your support and it cost costs nothing but if you share the po the post that you see uh, or you repost um, something or you find something and or you like something that also means a lot. And um, it, it really is a bigger uh, war than just um, the fight between Russia and Ukraine. It's the war between light and darkness. And that's why it's so powerful. And so many people, especially in the beginning, so many con leaders of other countries uh, couldn't find um, enough courage to provide more active support because everyone has been afraid that that would cause the third world war to start but the fact is that it has already started it started in our hearts and in our minds and uh, as you see we're all globally affected by it whether it has to do with gas prices whether it has to do with starvation in some countries whether it has to do with mental health and anxiety around that because we all as human beings are trying to uh, see how we all fit into that experience it's, it's a natural thing that we do we immerse ourselves and imagine what what would have happened to us if that uh, was happening in my life so we all uh, already affected by it then that means that we all have to take responsibility and lead our own uh, fights and we can do it peacefully we don't have to travel to ukraine and uh, you know, take bring weapon with us and actively fight but we can do it peacefully by showing support by showing up by standing up by speaking up but not um, being afraid of doing that by not being afraid of getting uncomfortable around conversations that are related to the war. So I truly believe that everyone uh, of us has this responsibility to 
be active, to show support actively, um, because that would just mean that we are fighting th- for the better world. And uh, we're fighting for the better world, not just for ourselves, but for future generations, for our children. So I think it's it's important that those small acts of support combined together become huge and powerful. That is why a Ukrainian army that is so little in comparison with Russian army uh, is succeeding. And that's something that helps them to keep up with the spirit and fight for their nation is that incredible amount of support that they see coming from all over the world, whether it's a Ukrainian flag that you go into tape to your window, whether it's a a small donation that you go in to make, whether it's um, a donation, um, a physical donation, an, an item that you can donate to refugees who are coming here, whether you're opening doors, you're organizing your own fundraisers uh, and uh, sending money straight uh, to Ukraine or just a post on social media. Everything counts. So please um, consider doing something and show your support to Ukrainians. It means a lot to us. Thank you for listening to Wellbeing Connection, the official podcast of CMHA Manitoba and Winnipeg. Check out the links in the description below to learn more about how you can get involved. And be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review of the podcast. Thank you, Olga, for sharing your story and expertise with us. And I hope you left with actionable steps to get involved and process the emotions in a mentally healthy way. Until next time.